Happy Halloween, everybody. It's a not-so-common podcast solo edition for, uh, let's see, it's October 30th, but you're listening to this on Halloween, at least. Wooga booga! I'm Pat Contry, <laughs> dressed up as uh, the first uh, the first toy I ever really had was He-Man, and that's who I'm dressed up as. I actually wore this costume a few years ago. I believe it was one was in a uh, Frank Crate video, but I did wear this uh, for one Halloween party. <laughs> One Halloween party three years ago, which is Frank's birthday, and uh, I was there with it with a friend, a female friend, who got really drunk. Another female at the party tried to grab uh, grab onto He Man in the middle of the party, and I had to push her away. There's like this fur loincloth on He Man's outfit, and I'll never forget. I was drunk. Uh, the girl was drunk, and she went right for He Man's. Um, uh, He-Man's, I guess, uh, Power of Grayskull package, and I <laughs> push her away. <laughs> it was uh, it was a little embarrassing, but I hope you all have a great Halloween experience. I didn't want to start the podcast off like that, but me in this uh, costume sort of made those memories uh, flood back to me. Anyone check out that World Series that eighteen in it eighteen inning? Uh, uh, what's the opposite of a slugfest? Uh, snooze fest. It was exciting. Uh, it was a game. It was game. Uh, was it game three of the World Series between Boston and the Dodgers, Boston Red Sox and the LA Dodgers. Uh, it just ended in five games. Boston won four one, but that was an eighteen inning game. It was the longest World Series game ever. It was like six and a half hours. My buddy uh, Andre was at the game. I was, he was texting from it, and I was asking what's going on if he was still there. And Andre celebrated his birthday. He went to there. And he said they. He told me later they ran out of like uh, they stopped serving alcohol at the seventh inning stretch, which is typical of these games. They don't want people drunk at the end. But then they started serving again once it went to extra innings. And then they ran out of beer anyway. And then they ran out of food. So yeah, I, I guess they don't stock for for you know eight ten inning games. That's two games, two games of baseball. And when it's as as tense as a World Series game with all the pitching changes and things like that, all the excitement, it takes even longer. So what was that? A six and a half hour game? It was nuts. Well, congrats to the Boston Red Sox who have won, what, four World Series now in like uh, in 12 years. Was it 2004, 2007? They won it about four or five years ago, like I think 11 or 12, and they just won it again. So they're now the new Yankees at this point. They're now the Yankees. So they're no longer the plucky underdogs who hadn't won since uh, 1908. You know, that that's not it anymore. Uh, they're... they're uh, they're they're uh, they're done. They're done being the plucky underdog. Wait, was the Cubs nineteen oh eight? What the Cubs win? No, it was nineteen. It was nineteen. Uh, what was it? Nineteen eighteen for the Red Sox. What the fuck? I'm not. A, I'm not a big sports statistics guy. Let's see. Boston Red Sox World Series. But usually, when the World Series ends, that's officially the start of the fall season. You know, they call it the Fall Classics in October. Uh, it was nineteen eighteen. Was the last. Uh, I confused that with the Cubs, which I think was 1908. So the Cubs was 1916 before they won it in 2007, 2004, 2007, 2013, and now in 2018. So they're like every every three to four years on average now. Every five years they're they're winning one, which is which is great. So anyway, so uh, yeah, that was that's fun. Now we're on to 
football season with my horrible New York Giants and with an offensive line made of Swiss cheese and everyone saying Eli's done. Hey, Eli was never the most mobile quarterback out there, but when you can't give him pass protection for more than a second, he doesn't do well, and that's always been the case. He needs time. Any quarterback needs time unless you're very mobile or someone like uh, Aaron Rodgers. You can't really make those passes, but I think Eli should be on his way out, but having an offensive line that has led to him getting smacked around the past five years hasn't really helped his cause. But Eli's still my, my man uh, there. So it's Halloween season. Halloween. Halloween. Um, Halloween was always one of my favorite holidays as a kid. It just seemed like there was an outwardly uh, festive experience where you didn't have any obligations. So Thanksgiving... You have fun on Thanksgiving, but for example, you don't get presents necessarily on Thanksgiving. You might see your cousins and hang out and have fun and play play Nintendo with them and play power pad games. But then you gotta like see your relatives and deal with that BS. And while you have turkey and stuffing, it's good. But you know, you, you pumpkin pie was overrated in my opinion. Uh, Christmas is great because you get presents, but then you have the obligation you have to see, you have to go see relatives you don't really care about. For me, it was... Uh, I shouldn't say don't care about... When you're like seven or eight, though, there's only, only so many extended members of the family you can see and not be like, I don't know about this old person. I mean, sure, my it's like my father's great uncle and aunt. I mean, what does that mean to me? So for me, it was, um, you know, a couple, you know, older uncle and aunts that were like, you know, 80 years older than me. We see them, but you know, it was nice to see them, but it felt like an obligation every year to do that. And then you would go to, you know, two other extended family events that you really didn't want to that on christmas day you had to go do something you didn't want to and see someone after you open your presents then you had to go to mass either christmas eve or christmas morning and that sort of threw a whole uh, monkey wrench in the plan there in terms of having fun even enjoying your presents so there was always obligations with these other holidays but not with halloween Halloween was the most pure because you picked out an outfit or maybe your mom was nice, nice enough to make you one or you bought that cheap uh someone sent me sent me uh a Twitter response about the cheap vinyl costumes with like the plastic mask. That was like the Kmart or like uh Kmart or a local pharmacy, $8, like six ninety nine in 1987 prices. Uh, the cheapest possible costume. They're probably three ninety nine. What, what was the big uh, East coast uh, pharmacy back then that we had, man, I can't remember it, but they were all over the place. But yeah, they'd have these racks of, it was the cheapest possible costume. They were literally just, you know, these vinyl sheets you put on yourself, like mocked up like He-Man, but it wasn't like an actual full costume you got in. You just like slipped it over yourself like a smock and you got a cheap plastic mask. And these were, uh, you know, these were your sort of discount licensed, not bootleg, but discount Halloween costumes in like the in the eighties, mid to late eighties. Probably I, they probably started these in the seventies and they went to like the late eighties. I think by probably the early nineties they died out. But no, I probably I went with like the one level up from that. We got we afforded like the costumes that were ten to fifteen dollars back in the eighties and early nineties. But I had the, I had the rotation of um, army guy, cowboy, pirate, ninja. That's pretty much what I was. One one year I was the Punisher. My sister made me a cool little uh, skull shirt. She used like that uh, whatever that. Whatever the the, the, the paint uh, T-shirt coloring stuff you'd goop on and onto uh, just you throw it on some 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 shirts and then it would dry off and then there you know you'd be fine there it was it was but you had to let it dry it was like a it was almost like a very thin um, yeah it was a thin acrylic paint I guess but it came like in a tubing and it was all goopy you can put it on there um, and then. Um, 
what else did we have as a kid? You know, but, well, I was getting off a tangent. So anyway, so Halloween was uh, was was the most pure. It was the most pure um, holiday because you had your costume. You you got you had no obligations to family. There was no 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 mass you had to go to. No church. You didn't have to see relatives you don't want to do. You just went out and you got candy and got really fat when you were eight years old and hopefully didn't develop the, you know diabetes when you were a youngster. But that's why I loved Halloween. And thinking back, there, there was like a, sort of a carefree attitude when it came to Halloween. Yeah, there was always the horror stories about, oh, watch out for, you know, don't get apples with, they might have razor blades in it or, you know, candy might be poisoned. You always, you always heard these urban legends, but they never, they never uh, were, were ever true. Maybe they happened like you know once ever. That's the whole thing about those urban legends in the eighties and nineties. They probably didn't happen, but it was a whole day event or sometimes weekend event with Halloween because I went to Catholic school growing up, but they still had a day set aside for Halloween. So you would still go. You would sometimes they'd allow you. I don't. I don't know how this passed, especially at a Catholic school, because even at uh, public schools nowadays, they don't like celebrating Halloween from what I hear. You know, it's like, oh, this is like satanic or whatever, it's, let alone at a, you know, a, a religious school. But, um, look at my, check out my pecs, my He-Man pecs. <laughs> anyway. So we would go to class. There would be decorations set up. Again, this was Catholic school. So talk about not wanting to be associated with the occult or anything, say, any, anything remotely satanic. You know, but Halloween will be it right before All, All Saints Day on November 1st, which was a holy day of obligation, by the way. You were supposed to go to church on November 1st if you were Catholic. But we'd have decorations all over the room. We'd, we'd make bats, cut them out of cardboard, little skeletons. We had that stuff. And, and, the, parent, and, the, and the teachers probably buy their own stuff and, and, you know, help set it up. But in the afternoon, after lunch, you'd have regular class during the day, but they would have a parade around the parking lot. With all the kids by grade, and the parents would come, and you know, look at you in your costume. You have a little mini parade around, sorry, from kindergarten to eight, eighth grade, and then you would go inside, and you 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 have candy. The school would have candy, or or the teacher would pass out candy, and you you're allowed to have like almost like an extended recess in the afternoon. This was again, this was a Catholic school in the eighties. This happened. Uh, and which is miraculous where I don't know if this goes on at even public schools today where they almost have like a celebration of Halloween um, to this extent. So you would get candy from school. You'd have little decorations and, and stuff. Um, um, and then what would happen is you would go home and then quickly change into your Halloween costume if it wasn't all on already. And then you go start trick-or-treating at like 2.30 in the afternoon or, or 2.45 or 3 o'clock whenever you got home. Now, keep in mind, this was before they, they extended daylight savings. So usually the weekend before Halloween is when they would uh, push the clocks back. So then it would get darker earlier, which sucks. Nowadays for kids, it's, it's better you have that extra hour of sunlight. So it would start getting dark at like 5 o'clock when we were kids. So you had a couple hours. But... You know, you, you would go out trick-or-treating. And yeah, your parents would sometimes take you out, especially when you're really young, walk around the neighborhoods, you know, walk within like a mile radius. You go all the way around. You get you get your candy when you're small. Remember the plastic plastic pumpkin uh, candy holders? They still sell those. They were great when you were a little four-year-old, three-year-old, but by the time you were six or seven, you're like, no, no, no I'm graduate, graduating to plastic bags and pillowcases. What, what is this shit with these little, these little uh, garbage pumpkin heads here? That that doesn't really uh, what do you feel like four candy bars in there at most? That's terrible. <laughs> anyway, so so when well, by the time you got to like seven or eight, though, at least in my neighborhood, 
the parents wouldn't, they didn't even walk around with you anymore when I was a kid. You get like maybe one out of five parents that would do that. But I would go over to like my friend Kevin's next town and we'd do a whole route. And then we'd go out again at night somewhere else. I remember going over to uh, my friend Mark's house three towns over at night and go trick-or-treating. Now, this helped, of course, on those awesome days. You know, you had a two out of seven chance, you know, Pat Math, you had a 30% chance that Halloween fell on a Friday or Saturday. If it fell on a Saturday, it was on all day. Like, we're talking, uh, you would bring not just your little pumpkin, uh, pumpkin jack-o'-lantern plastic little carrying case for candy. You'd also have you know, a pillowcase in reserve and a plastic bag. Like, you were prepared to have bags of candy you come home with. But even on a Friday, what would happen is, if you if you were lucky enough on a Friday, you would at least get two or two rounds of candy going, where you'd go out for a couple of hours until it got, go, until it, uh, it got dark, around 5, 5.30, and then you come back and eat a quick dinner. You don't want to spoil your appetite too much with candy. Then you go back out at 6.37. You'd be out till nine nine thirty at night, even ten o'clock, until like people were like, "Okay, what the hell? These kids are crazy," and and they're they're, they're taking too much Halloween, or we're seeing them for a second time. But I remember one time, even or once or twice, being driven over to a friend's two two towns over, and we went for a full round. That must have been a Friday night where it was nuts. There were tons of kids outdoors. I mean, like there was probably you couldn't walk a block without seeing twenty to thirty kids back in like the late 80s, early 90s. And you would come back with, you would dump your, sometimes dump your candy out at home or at the base of operation at your friend house and take that pillowcase out. And pillowcases were big when you were a kid. That could fit like seven, eight, nine pounds of candy. And you go back out, getting your, your, getting your miniature Hershey bars, getting your, your Hershey kisses, getting your, your Nestle crunches, getting your M&Ms, getting your Tootsie Rolls, getting your freaking Jolly Ranchers and Starburst and, and Reese's Pieces and peanut butter cups and everything else. And yes, you get awful Charleston chews from those old ladies. Didn't realize kids hadn't eaten those since the 1950s, but you still get Charleston chews. Man, all those grandmas from the 80s are dead now probably. That's kind of depressing. All those seven-year-old women give me the... I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, old women around the block for not eating those Charleston, Charleston chews. I used to give them to my, my grandma or my parents to try to eat those. Those were, those were rough when you were a kid. Think about think about think about Butterfinger, but with concrete inserted inside of it, and trying to bite into it. That's how bad Charleston shoes were. But you know, you had your uh, you had your um, Tootsie Roll pops, your Blow pops. I didn't I didn't discriminate against non chocolate candy. I used to love the little mini uh, tra- uh, Jolly Ranchers. The big the best ones were like the big stick ones, though. Those were the like the, the big like like almost half candy bar size one. The golden age of candy was probably the eighties. Let's be honest here. With all that stuff for the popularity. And of course nerds. Things like that. But Halloween was fantastic. Because it was like I said. It was an event with your friends. It, it was like carefree. Do what you want. Um, come across that random uh, house. Where where the, 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 the no one would answer the door. They'd leave out a, a bowl of candy. And you know you use the honor system. You, you took a few pieces. But yeah there were some assholes that would go. See that bowl of candy. And dump it into their bag. You, you show up and there's like a couple of like Brock's hard candy left you know but don't ruin for everyone honor system with, with free candy come on but you know you knock on those doors you, you'd be afraid to go up some creepy houses there were some houses that weren't decorated and there was a light on and sometimes they say now oh, we don't have any candy or or uh, some you, you were afraid it was an event because there was houses that were scary just because they looked scary some didn't have decorations that looked scary and sometimes you'd go up to a house and you knew like an old person lived there because they, you can tell in the 80s they had like their Oldsmobile or their 
their old like Chevy or whatever. They had a car that was 30 years old. But sometimes they surprise you. would be a nice old lady. And sometimes they'd invite you in and, you know, you'd say hi to the old lady. You know, she didn't have a lot of company. She hadn't seen her kids in like a year and a half, you know. So it was, it was, Halloween was more heartwarming and experience looking back than what I gave it credit for. Even, you know, thinking about this earlier in the day about, you would make some, some uh, even adults' lives. Like going to the door, you, you see them smile, trick or treat, and they'd be like, oh, look at you. What are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an army guy. Oh, I'm a G.I. Joe. Oh, I'm a witch. And it, it was a communal spirit Halloween. It was a time of, of sort of carefree joy. Almost, it, was, it was almost like the only community event that you can think of. Like 4th of July, there might be a, a small little p- kid setting off firecrackers and maybe half a block party every now and then. But Halloween seemed, it, this time everyone would come out and just be happy, wearing your goofy costumes. And yes, even if they were the cheap vinyl ones from Kmart or your local pharmacy, you know, whatever the equipment we had of, uh, of Rite Aid was back then. And God, I can't think of it. It had red letters. I'm going to look that up while I, while I keep talking about this. But... um I just, I, 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 that's why to me, Halloween is the purest in my, in my, in my eyes. It makes me the happiest to think about. Um, I, I have seen it die off a bit in the culture. Someone sent me, uh, unfortunately, cause parents nowadays, and I'm not saying it's a generation Y thing, millennial thing, but we are more protective of kids for better or for worse. I mean, there are horrible events that happen, but kids have always been kidnapped going back to the beginning of time. Unfortunately, there's assholes out there. There's, there's criminally insane people. But now, you know, parents don't want that to happen to them, of course. So parents go out with their kids more. But sometimes, you know, they don't even allow trick-or-treating. I've seen schools where they banned Halloween. They banned costumes. And I, and I went to a school. I mean, I had the, you know, I was an army guy one year. I had an Uzi colored green that nowadays you wouldn't get away with. This is before they enacted, like, the in the late 80s, early 90s, they had, like, the orange tips they had to put on. First, they put orange tips on on toy guns, and they made the whole thing orange or neon. That was before that time, so kids were bringing like M sixteen looking guns to school. You know, they had those water guns, those Laramie water guns that looked like real guns uh, back then. I had cap guns that looked like real guns, so that was all fine. Did I? I you know I had a um, silver. You know, I mean, not many people would have like an older old old west revolver six shooter, but when I was a, a cowboy as a kid, those guns could be mistaken for real, like vintage guns. I could have. Uh, my father had a toy gun from the 50s or 60s that looks is a replica of a real gun. It has the weight of a real gun. So he actually let me use that one year um, going uh, trick-or-treating. I still have that toy gun somewhere. But um, yeah, of course there's bad parts of Halloween. There's there's inherent dangers you're walking. You know, you, you probably want a flashlight because there are cars out there. There's tons of kids. You know, but you would hope that people know it's Halloween. They would drive slower. But you, you, there's crazy people out there. There's careless people. And there are uh, dangerous adults out there that want to take advantage of, of you know, uh, small kids, uh, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean you should, wipe, you should wipe Halloween off the face of the earth. Yeah, you can go walk with your kids and have chaperones and things like that. And, and some years there was, there was an adult present. If not with us, there were always groups within a half a block where there was adults. If something happened, there was always an adult around. Even though my group of uh, ragtag kids, we usually didn't have adult supervision. It was a group of like three to five of us. We didn't worry about that uh, going around. But someone sent me something uh, about there's a law starting to be enacted where there's like age limits now to trick-or-treating. Now, I understand that because it was even when I started giving out candy when I was a teenager and you, you see teenagers come up 
and, and try to get candy when they're like 16, 17, 18. It's okay. That's kind of creepy. And you don't have an outfit. You're, you know, you're dressed in jeans and a t-shirt. You know, this is, I know you want free candy because we all love, love candy, but come on. Can you at least try, you know, uh, Kevin? Yeah, his name's Kevin too. Kevin, can you at least try Brad to have a Halloween costume? I understand that. And I stopped trick-or-treating probably, geez, probably high school. I want to say definitely by sophomore year. I, I might have went out freshman year because, you know, I was a fat, chubby pat. And, I, you know, I love, I love chocolate. I love uh, I love Mr. Good Bars. I, I, I love Nestle Twix. I miss. Uh, do they still make peanut butter Twix? By the way, when I was a kid, twi- peanut butter Twix was more ubiquitous than even caramel. Now you feel like there's no more peanut butter Twix. Now they have like cookies and cream and shit. Anyway, and and of course the uh, uh, Kit Kats. Kit Kats were amazing. Never bought them during the year, but when you got that little two pack uh, during Halloween, it was great. It was fantastic. But someone sent me this this article about how they're enacting these laws, these trick-or-treating laws, and it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad because the cutoff isn't like, you know, think like 14 or 15. It's like 12. Uh, this is from a website called City Lab. Towns where trick-or-treaters may, may run afoul a of the law. Um, so now we have civic groups and PTAs petitioning the city councils to impose age limits for trick-or-treating and restricting the hours when children can go door-to-door. So in this article on City Lab, after, uh, let's see, uh, there, was, there, was, there was a lot of bad stuff with firecrackers and a 14-year-old who stole a bag of candy with a steak knife. So in, in the late 60s, this was in Portsmouth, Virginia, there was a trick-or-treating ordinance that punished trick-or-treaters over the age of 12, unless that person was supervising a younger child, or after 8 p.m. As a misdemeanor with a fine up to $500. This is happening more and more places. Modern times. So we have, uh, let's see. Um, if you're in Louisiana, you have to wait until Monday to collect candy. If Halloween falls on a Sunday, you can't go out on a Sunday. In Walnut, California, trick-or-treaters can't wear a mask or, dis- or disguise. In the state of Alabama, they're not allowed to dress up as a member of the clergy. So you can't be like a nun or a priest. That was always a common, not, not a, okay, not a, not a common costume, but you would see a priest every year. I would at least. It was cute. Uh, let's see. In Hollywood, California, a thousand dollar fine for using silly string. So there's all these ordinances uh, popping up everywhere now, unfortunately. So uh, there's no reason for it. Yeah, yeah. On mischief night, you would have, you know, some kids would you know, toilet paper, the neighborhood, but whatever that was expected. And it would happen to your house only once every few years. And you know, your dad would be outside with a baseball bat or a hose, making sure nothing happened on, you know, October 30th that night. But on Halloween, it wasn't that bad from what I know. No kid ever got, you know, ever ate an apple with the razor blade. First of all, no one ever gave out apples when I was a kid. Yeah. No one gave out the, the best was actually the old grandmas would give you like, like quarters. Sometimes they give you like 50 cents or a quarter. It's like, thanks, thanks, Grandma, giving you your Social Security. When you're a kid getting 50 cents when you're seven years old, oh, my God. That's a whole, that's a whole comic book. That's, a, that's like a, a pack of candy itself that you get to choose. It's like choose your own candy. Sometimes grandmas would give you like $50 or uh, 50-cent penny rolls they would give you. It was, sometimes I got dollar ones. It was great. So sometimes the non-common the non, uh, candy prize was was fantastic it, it, it was it was amazing how that would happen and yeah you have sometimes you get the generic brock's candy you know the, like the, the the red hard candy or yellow candy and candy corn loose candy corn just just eat me candy corn in general is nasty but getting it in halloween unless they're in like little um 
little packets that you know little twisty ties on them they're bought i don't want some some fucking person's disgusting adult hand on throwing candy corn in my bag get the fuck out of here with that get out don't want to hear about that don't want to hear about it all right wrap candy money coins that rare case you get the full-size candy bar the the quote-unquote rich neighborhoods you get a full like mr you know you get like a full like fifth avenue bar remember fifth avenue bars those those are great highly underrated candy bar i wish they brought it back they might still have it or you get a full um pb max they stopped making those or a full freaking chunky they still make chunkies a full a full four-piece chunky but but the time you got a full snickers bar a full hershey bar oh my god you try to sneak back later on that night well, if you were an ethical a trick-or-treater you wouldn't do that <laughs> because you you appreciate that hey those are like back in the 80s 50 cents a candy bar it's expensive that's an expensive house they're putting up a hundred dollars in candy that night good for them good for you rich person Helping, helping spread diabetes to us as, as kids. Uh, childhood ob- obesity. Speaking of that, my parents never went through my candy. They should have, mom and dad. You should have limited what I ate. You know how fat I got off of Halloween candy? Especially when I went out twice in one night. Sometimes two and a half times. I go out a third time at, at 8.30. Get that last hour in before people are like, what the fuck are you doing, kid? It's 9.30. Get, go, go home. Um, there was, I, I mean, I had candy enough for up to Christmas sometimes. And that was eating multiple pieces a day. So I was not healthy. Not healthy at all. Especially since my mom was still making me like cookies and brownies every day after school. But the amount of candy I had was criminal. My parents should have held it back. They should have stole my candy. But having ordinances is insane. Having, you know, you can have, what are you going to have? A police patrolling, make sure there's no one, no one over 12 out at night. That's in, You can't do that stuff. Who cares if there's a creepy 17-year-old's that... Uh, trick or treat with you and one of them says they have a, a pellet gun and scares the hell out of you and threatens to shoot you with it. Yeah, that happened one year where a kid's like, oh, I'm going to shoot you. And it's like, they probably won't. But when you're when you're 9 and 10, you don't know about these like 13 and 14 year old kids. They're, when they're 15, they're, they can toss you around. They're like bullies. That happened the one year, actually. Um, but Halloween is just that magical time of year. I'm going to get Halloween candy. I'm going to probably not dress up with this. I'll try dress up as something else. I have a Jar Jar Binks costume somewhere that I got at the flea market. Really scared the kids. It's a horrible Star Wars character. Um, but Halloween is fantastic, and I I would love to spread that joy if I ever have children to uh, go to go trick or treating. And yes, I probably want to go with them unless there was a large group. There's like a group of like four or five kids. They're probably going to be okay. They're probably going to be fine. But no, not by themselves. I wouldn't let them go. But, you know, if you have an older sister, my sister would go trick or treat me sometimes. She was four years older. Well, she still is four years older. But, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's relax on these laws. So kids can take care of themselves. Just give them a flashlight. or Everyone has a cell phone with a light on, but give them, a, give them one of those little, they used to even sell Halloween flashlights, little cheap plastic flashlights for two bucks, little little jack-o'-lantern on the end, and you, you'd, you'd be fine. You'd be fine. Or if it's a Saturday or, or Friday or Saturday, you know, you're fine, you're fine during the day. Friday, though, you go out at night. It's actually more dangerous, though, for the too much candy going on. I am proud to be partnering with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook 
eat, and enjoy. There's something for everyone with HelloFresh. Three plans to choose from classic veggie and family. Each box is made of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated trusted sources. Rediscover the excitement of cooking. Look forward to your HelloFresh delivery knowing dinner just got that much easier. I cooked some nice uh, taco pizzas a few weeks back. They were delicious. They had a lot of meat on there. There was some cheese on there. Mwah! It was fantastic. HelloFresh believes cooking should be simple and convenient, not a chore. All the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits. So you know which ingredients go with which recipe. There's, there's no confusion there. And you won't spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take around 30 minutes. There are many benefits of subscribing, so you can keep enjoying HelloFresh week after week. Spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping each week. Get that time back to do more of what you love. You don't want to spend time at the grocery store looking at different heads of lettuce and meat selections and spending time in the checkout line. They can't, they can't, you know, charge your credit card because the chip's broken. Not, not that this is coming from anything personal or anything. <laughs> anyway, so for a total of $60 off, that's 20 bucks off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com slash NotSoCommon60 and enter code NotSoCommon60 and you can get cooking today with HelloFresh. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash not so common 60 enter promo code not so common 60 at checkout mac weldon believes in smart design premium fabrics and simple shopping mac weldon will be the most comfortable underwear socks shirts undershirts hoodies and sweatpants and more that you will ever wear i've ordered them from them in the past i've gotten their their 18 hour jersey trunks i've gotten their air knit x trunks they are great for working out they're very breathable this is high quality stuff here so, um, they also have accessories. They also have shorts. Everything you can possibly need in one shop. So, they want you to be comfortable with Mack Weldon. So, if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. Means that that odor is eliminated. That's great, right? So, right now they have a special offer going on. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com. M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Enter promo code NOTSOCOMMON at checkout and you'll save 20%. Again, I've had great experiences with, with their uh, trunks, with their boxer briefs. This is, <laughs> it could be the best <laughs> best underwear you'll ever buy. No joke there. Again, for 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code NOTSOCOMMON at checkout. This is from at ResWolfJT. Your best costume, costumes you wanted but never got to be. Did you ever have those plastic mask and vinyl smock outfits? No, I didn't. I didn't have those cheap ones. I had the one level. I never had the deluxe uh, costumes. Let me tell you a story. Favorite Halloween candy as a kid, all of them. As an adult, all of them. Favorite Halloween horror games. I'm not going to go into that. But I will tell you this. I did not have the deluxe costumes. I had the entry-level costumes. I grew up middle-middle class, right? We had cable. Couldn't afford to go to Disney World. I had a, I had a, 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 you know, you get like one present for your birthday and nothing until the end of the year, usually until Christmas. Like, that was my life. Not complaining. It's just how it was. You know, two-car family, you know, barely two TVs. Didn't have a cordless phone until the late 90s. Like, one of those sort of families. Had rotary. Did not have touch-tone phones, even though we had uh, a cordless phone. So we still had a phone without a cord, but when you hit a button, you hear it click, 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 click. Insane. Anyway, my dad was cheap. So I had a ninja costume one year. With It was like, you know, you, you'd get the little uh, 
you, you throw it over yourself, the little top. It was like a onesie. I believe they had onesies or you, you throw it on. It wasn't vinyl though, but it wasn't. It was like cheap cloth. And it had a sword with it. Not the best sword I'll get into. And my sister made me throwing stars that actually probably were not dangerous. My sister was nice sometimes helping out with me, you know, my Halloween costumes. Shout out to my sister. She would cut out of hard cardboard the shapes of throwing stars, ninja stars. And then she took like a Reynolds wrap or a aluminum foil for the generic and she'd wrap it in it. So when you actually throw these things, these things would fly. You could hurt someone. They were pointed. So I had those. I didn't have any nunchucks. Parents were too cheap to buy the nunchucks, but I had the, I had the starter, you know, ninja set with the sword. Because ninjas were all the rage in the 80s. And I went out, went to school with it. I think you were allowed to put your costume on. I forget, based upon your age, you either can go to school with your costume, or you could, you could if you were older, you, you were allowed to change into it around lunchtime, or like 11 o'clock was when we had lunch, when we were kids. So, I was a ninja. There was a friend, Ian, not this Ian, another Ian. I knew, I knew three Ians ever, including this Ian. Uh, this this Ian was my friend. He was also a ninja. But his parents, I think, had more money than he did. Because he had the better ninja outfit. He had, like, the, you know, the the accents of, like, red and, you know, red and blue wasn't just black. You know, he had, like, more writing on his outfit. It was, you know, he had the whole footsies on his. I did. I just wore, like, sneakers. He had the full costume. He had nunchucks. I didn't have nunchucks. And he had a better sword than I did. And you know how I knew he had a better sword than I did? Because on the playground, probably was about 10 years old, maybe 11. On the playground, uh, we were the only two ninjas and never want to see us fight, of course. I had my aluminum foil throwing stars and I had my sword, my beginner sword. So everyone's like, fight, fight. So he's like, I looked at Ian, he was like sort of my friend. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this. So we charge at each other, two ninjas. Picture, picture the opening of Ninja Gaiden, okay? Except 10-year-olds doing this. All right, we charge each other with our ninja swords. We swing. My sword breaks at the hilt. It breaks in half at the hilt, or the end of the handle. It's break. It's broken. He broke the blade. Everyone's laughing at me because everyone was lined up to see this. About probably twenty to twenty-five kids, girls, boys. It was humiliating. I didn't cry. I wanted to cry. Apparently. He had the better sword. He had one of those swords where it was like all molded, you know, hard plastic, and I had a cheap flimsy, flimsy plastic. You know when you were a kid, there was different grades of, of toy weapons. You know there was, and I had the cheap one. So unfortunately, the rest of that Halloween, I had to like walk around, and I couldn't take out the sword anymore. I had to like, you know, put, put it together, it, it, try to put it in, in the, uh, the scabbard. And see if it could hold or tape. I tried to tape it up, I think. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I should have cried. I should have cried. My honor was destroyed as a ninja. As a 10-year-old ninja. By my friend. But I had some killer throwing stars. So thanks to my sister for that. For saving that. And like I said, my sister created my, my Goopon Punisher jersey. Probably when I was like 12. I don't know why I ever like Punisher. But I did for a time when I was a kid. Never was Spider-Man as a kid. There wasn't. I mean, that, the problem with those sort of outfits is like, how do you do like the the web unless you have silly string? My parents would have let, let me have silly string. I think I choked on some polyester hair from this wig. So, um, so yeah, let's let's pump the brakes on these city ordinances about criminalizing, you know, twelve year olds to thirteen year olds getting candy too late at night. Let's fucking relax, okay? Let's relax. Let's not over police things. 
have too many laws in place where they don't matter. Kids can take care of themselves and parents can be responsible and take care of their kids. You know, none of my, none of my friends got kidnapped or died in Halloween any year. None of us ate, ate shards of glass that I know of at least. All I know is I ate way too much food and that's why I was chubby and was picked on as a fat ninja whose uh, sword broke on the playground. Being that it is uh, Halloween, I want to talk about a ghost story. Now, Ian and I, from the CU Podcast, Ian Ferguson, Ian doesn't like hearing my ghost stories. Ian has a very strange sort of way of looking at these events when someone tells him about them. And it's not just me that tells Ian about ghost stories, but his, his, his wife has told him about ghost stories, members of his own family, and he just dismisses them outright. Like, it's not possible. I don't want to hear it. You're fucking crazy. And that happened one time in the podcast a few years ago when I tried to run through some ghost stories with him. Things that actually happened in my house growing up. Things that I saw, my father saw, my sister saw, and my mother saw at different points in time. It wasn't mass hysteria. It wasn't like we all saw it in one day. It wasn't all psychological. This is stuff that happened multiple times over, you know, over a couple decades. So I'll tell, I'm not sure, I don't remember the ghost stories I used to tell Ian um, the one time, but I'll run through, I'll run through a couple. I'll run through a couple that I saw and my sister saw. I'll try to go someone in chronological order. So my house is a traditional split-level house. Ones that they built, you know, in, in the in the fifties uh, after everyone came back from you know World War II, when the suburbs sprung up, they built these model houses that were, you know, they were like uh, two-bedroom houses with a with a full attic upstairs that most people would convert into another bedroom, you know. So or, we'll just say, well, yeah. That's usually how it was. There were stairs leading upstairs to an attic, but by the time everyone in our neighborhood got done with them, these are like three-bedroom houses. You can probably add a fourth in there if you really finished the whole attic area off and you know and did that. So this was like a three-bedroom house, one and a half bath, split level, you know, probably eighteen hundred square feet. We'll just say something like that, maybe a little more, maybe two thousand square feet, uh, but that's probably pushing it. So um, my bedroom was in the looking let's see northwest north northeast corner of the house i think northeast corner yeah i think about northeast so all the activity when you call it weird stuff happening people seeing or experiencing stuff happened in that corner of the house my bedroom and then the the um the family room or rec room as we called it recreation room where we had a tv like we had the smaller tv in the back room that's where like the antenna was set up Versus the living room where the bigger tea was set up. My dad would have a stereo and listen to, you know, Jimi Hendrix music and watch PBS shit. So everything happened in the northeast part of the house. By the It was by the furnace, by the way. So I hear all people say, oh, is it because there was gas leaking? No, we would have died. Because this happened over decades. But um, <laughs> we were all sniffing gas and seeing stuff. But um, it was always my bedroom and the rec room stuff happened. Even growing up. Even if you didn't hadn't seen anything, hanging out in the rec room by yourself, especially at night, you felt weird. You always felt like a presence there, a heavy, this heavy feeling, heavy in 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 He-Man pectorals and and delts, heavy feeling that's that's that you were either not alone or someone else was there. You you get that feeling nowadays. You can tell when someone's near you. It's just a weird instinct you get. So then that would happen even when I was hanging out with my sister. Say if our parents were out, we were both like, say my sister was like, you know. 13 I was 9 we never we never had, we never had a babysitter my sister took care of me she was it was fine it was a different time you never have, have a babysitter if you were like 10 years old you were okay so 
we would be in the rec room watching TV on the couch, in that crusty old multicolored flowery design couch. And we just felt weird. And we always even feel weird if one of us went to like get some food or, or go upstairs, or go to the bathroom. The other person left alone was like, oh my God, don't leave me here. Don't leave me here. Don't leave me here. Because you felt weird. You felt like there was another person sitting on the couch with you or standing watching you. It always was just weird. And when you were and, and when you when you were when you were alone, it felt even worse, obviously. But this but that feeling persisted even after I moved out in my twenties, moved into an apartment. When I would come back and visit, say for the day or for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, you would still feel weird. When you were sleeping overnight, say Christmas I'd come back when I had an apartment, I'd like sleep over for Christmas Eve because you had you know, the Italian Christmas Eve dinner, and then you would open presents the next morning. So I would just stay Christmas Eve. I still felt weird, even as an adult, like an adult, not just as a kid. This was an experience that went for, again, for decades, this went, this feeling. So my sister would never walk past my room and past the rec room whenever she went back to her room. So there was one shower in the house downstairs next to, right next to my bedroom. There was a hallway that connected. It was like a, like an L. It connected my parents' bedroom or the master bedroom. And then it went up to turn, turn, make a right, the bathroom. And then you went further and then there was my bedroom. So I was literally like, you know, five feet. My bedroom was five feet from the bathroom door, you know, right there. So my sister would never, she had an option of walking past my parents' bedroom through the living room to get up to the stairs to go upstairs. Or she could walk past my room, the rec room, through the kitchen, then go back upstairs. Her choice. She never would walk past my room, either going to the bathroom to take a shower or coming from it. As a child, as a teenager, in her 20s. She never, ever, ever did it. You know why? When she was a child, I was probably three. Um, she was probably like then seven, maybe eight, depending. This is not a story she told me till at least 10 to 15 years later, at least. Um, she walked past my bedroom one day when I was sleeping. And she heard my mom comforting me, like as if I was having a bad dream, saying, no, it's okay, don't, it's okay, it's a bad dream. It's all right. She continued walking, like thinking it was nothing. And then she went in the rec room and she saw my mom watching TV on the couch. She's like, what the fuck? She turned back, walked a few steps back to look into my bedroom again. And whatever woman she thought she heard that was my mother was now gone. Was not, was, was not there anymore. So from that point forward, she never walked past my room again. And even, again, growing up, it always felt weird walking past my room. It's as if you didn't want to see something there. And, of course, this was my bedroom. So, of course, growing up, there was like a three-year period where I couldn't sleep because I always felt something was there. I always had like a nightlight on or the light in the hallway. It was bad. Um, one, one moment in particular either is an end cap to this piece that I just said or a, a piece to this story or... Or as part of the delusion, if you want to say that. But when I was, I want to say I was 11 or 12. I want to say 12. When I was 12, um, it was fall, probably. I remember there was leaves and there was raking going on. I want to say it was probably early November to mid-November, somewhere between mid-October to November. I want to say it was November, though, before Thanksgiving. Um, I was in my bed 
I was turned on one side and um, it was probably around 5.30 in the morning and I felt someone moving, touching me and moving my covers. Now, I was like semi-asleep at the time I was waking up, but I felt someone, this is what woke me up because I was asleep and then woke up feeling someone ruffling my covers. Now, keep in mind at the time, it was not abnormal for this to happen in my house because my mom would always get up around 5.36 to feed the cat. Our cat cuddles would always meow, meow, meow. My mom would get up and feed the cat. And then she would check up on me um, and then, like, you know, put my covers back on me, you know, tuck me, tuck me back in. You know, she would always do that. Give me a little kiss on the cheek, go back to sleep for, you know, a couple hours. Um, so I figured being woken up, this is what this was. This is my mom. She, she just had fed the cat. So I'll never forget what I said ever. I turn, I turn around as I, I get this he-man hair out of my face. I turn around as I, as, I, as I feel someone rustling the covers. I go, Mom, is that you? And I turn around and see this, this white image with dark eyes, like two feet from my face. Now, keep in mind, as a kid, I had horrible vision by this time. Nintendo had ruined my vision. I did, have my, I did not have my glasses on. So it was blurry. Anything above six inches would be blurry to me as a child. I had a horrible vision. But I saw something. It was there. It was this white image with dark eyes. I saw it for a second. It was a full second. And then I turned away and threw the covers all over me. I didn't know what else to do. I was horrified. As a kid, I you know, I believed in like alien stuff and abductions. So I guess you can say this is dumb or not. And I told the story to you. Dumb. I, I was stupid. I probably thought, oh, an alien's coming to grab me. <laughs> I don't know why a kid would want chubby Pat, 11, 12-year-old Pat. But it was probably whatever my sisters had seen, you know, eight to nine years before, 10 years before, you know, like seven years before, six years before, whatever, whatever that was, seven years before, I probably saw whatever the hell that was. That's guardian angel or spirit, that uh, female spirit. That's probably what it was. And, and it scared the shit out of me, obviously. My parents didn't believe me at the time when I told them I was under my cover Covers for like two hours before I had the courage to get out of bed. I was horrified. I mean, my heart was racing, you know, 120 beats per minute. It was it was the, the most scared I'd ever been. I thought I was going to be abducted and having, you know, uh, experiments conducted on me by X-Files aliens, you know. So that was a, a really bad experience as a kid. But it just goes to show you shit happened around my room. My sister... This is when I'm fast. Fast forward, I was probably thirteen or fourteen. You know, you know how I, you know why I knew I was that old because I was playing Ken Griffey Junior. Baseball on the Super Nintendo when this happened. So I had to be at least thirteen at the time. Um, my sister, my door was closed. I this I had this sign: "Pat's room, knock before entering, or else." It was like this cheesy children's, you know, sign about "Don't go into my room; it's Pat's room." Wish I still had that sign. I get nostalgic over my little handmade sign. My door was closed. I was playing. I was playing Super Nintendo on my little. It's right there. My Magnavox monitor with AV outs, with composite outs. And so I'm playing with my back to the door one day. My sister opens the door. Pat. I'm like, what? Did you just walk out of your room? I was like, no. I've been in my room for the last like hour. Why? She said, well, I just saw someone walk into your room. 
I was like, what? She said, I saw someone walk into your room from down by the, by the, by where the, you know, the dining room is. And like, I was like, uh, what (laughs) again? So she saw something walk into my room and she swears this day she saw it. Um, I, I won't tell the boot story. I'll let the story linger. The final story I'll say right now about my ghost experiences is, um, the last one I, I experienced that I saw, I've always felt things after I, I came back. But when I, when I moved out when I was 26 into apartment, into an apartment, I'm, you know, this was like, you know, a few days before I moved everything. My clothes, I had all my clothes, things like that, that I was in my, in my closet, I was, you know, um, putting into boxes and Tupperware containers to, to take over to my apartment. So my closet's right next to my door. And this happened, this was the afternoon. This was probably like a, like a Friday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, something like that. And I'm just, you know, taking stuff off, looking at the piece of clothes and putting on a hanger, what have you, putting it in a box. Something told me to take like a full step and a half to my left and look out my door doorway into the hall, past where the bathroom is, where there's like a clothes hamper. Something just told me to do this. Some sort of weird thing told me to do this inside. Psychic power, instinct, what have you. I took a step over and leaned over, looked out my door. And I saw a black form, a shadowy black form. You want to say about six and a half to seven feet tall. It was taller than me for sure at, at you know, five foot ten. I saw the shadowy figure by the hamper about six feet away from me, maybe seven feet away. Where my door is right there. And I'll never forget this. When I saw this image, it knew that I saw it because I startled it. It was standing still. And then as soon as I saw it, it jerked. Like, oh my God, like something saw me. So it jerked to its left and then zoomed out of my sight to its right, my left, passed down the other hallway towards where my living room is. It zoomed away. And this was not out of the corner of your eye shit. This was, see it, full second. Like, you saw it, full second. This isn't like some, uh, something out of the corner of your eye, like light that plays tricks. I saw it full dead on. It jerked to its left, and then it sped away to its right out of my sight. So at the time, I was like, what the fuck? I wasn't scared, because I know there's no point being scared. You can't do anything about it. I walked towards where I probably, probably would have went, and then my parents were in the living room, or my mom was at least. Maybe my sister, but definitely my mom. And I said... Uh, did you see that? Did you see something coming in here? Coming, coming they said no. So I even try to see, I even try to, you know, debunk it. This is before Ghost Hunters. I'm like, okay, could this have been done by like, um, not sure, was Ghost Hunters out there? Anyway, could this have been from like an effect from some sort of like car passing by a window, some sort of light shadow? And no, from where it was, no light was hitting it from a street from where like a, a car would have passed by to like, it was in such this corner of the house where nothing could have gotten there from the street. Something like some sort of fast effect from like a car driving by, altering light, hitting that path. Nothing. I saw something. I saw a shadowy form. I did. And people like you might think I'm crazy, but I saw it. My sister saw things in my house. My mom experienced several things I won't get into right now, maybe later. Or I'll tell you one thing my mom experienced in the living room. My mo- I got my mom a Mayan sun calendar when I visited uh, in 2008. When I went to uh, I went to the Mine Riviera, 
got our sun calendar. I'm into the minds, I'm into that stuff. 2012, world, the world did not end. And I gave it to her. She put it in the, in the living room. You know, you tack up a nail, and then these these sun calendars you get down in uh, in Mexico or, or Central America, they'll have like these um these metal like uh, thick wires that stick up and they go they go up vertically, then they come horizontal, one piece, right? There's these metal wires in order to hang them on things. So my mom hung hung this in the living room. This mine sun calendar I got. I got her a mini one. And she swears to God that she heard something. And one day she went over to where that mine sun calendar was in the living room. And it was not hung up anymore. It was against the wall on the carpet on the ground in the living room, but leaning against the wall. The nail was still intact, perpendicular. It had not fallen out. It was not, you know, dented. It was not at an angle. So the only way this could have been accomplished was lifting the sun calendar up, pulling it towards you, and then placing it near the ground. If it fell, it would have fell. The nail would have came with it. There's no way for this to have been accomplished by it falling by itself. It's physically impossible. With the nail being intact in the wall. And if it fell, it probably would not have fallen straight. It would have fell and then hit and went over. Uh, but that's the last story I'll tell about my, how my house had ghosts. I think my house had ghosts that didn't know they were ghosts and had ghosts that knew they were ghosts. Because there were a couple other things with like glasses breaking. Like Again, this wasn't every week. This is stuff that had, you experience like, like once a year something weird, weird would happen. And glass would fall. The mind sun calendar. My sister seeing someone walk into my room. Me seeing a, a boot that took a step. That's a whole other story. Me seeing a shadow figure. My dad seeing something didn't want to admit it because my dad was a skeptic. This happened regularly, these events. So, um, yeah, we're not all crazy. You guys, some of you guys probably know stories and know people that things, things have happened to or you experience them yourself. Things that defy science. They defy they defy what our common senses would instinctively tell us is natural or not in, in, in our physical world that we could see and feel and experience with our own senses. There's some things out there. That's all. Some sort of energy. Yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> I'm proud to be working with Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Care Of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. I, I took it. It was quick. It was simple. It asked about, okay, how often are you exercising? You know, are you having trouble sleeping? Do you need more energy? Again, it personalizes it right for your experience and what you need in your life. 90% of people fall short of FDA-recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. For me, in the past, it was vitamin D. Take Care Of's quiz and get the vitamins you need to get back on track and reach your health goals. Your vitamins get delivered right to your door and personalized, easy-to-remember daily packs. Perfect for a busy, on-the-go lifestyle. Yeah, it's in a box, but each box has a bunch of little packets. You just tear it open, and you pop them in your mouth right in the morning. That's what I've been doing. Uh, a portion of every sale goes towards the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins you track your progress with the care of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins so that's a good reminder your monthly subscription box can be easily modified 
at any time. There's also vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs. Care-of offers pre- and postnatal supplements with accompanying research to help mothers and babies alike stay their healthiest. Care-of's delicious nutrient-packed quick stick powders can be added to your monthly delivery for an extra easy boost whenever you need it. So right now, special offer right now for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins visit care take care of.com and enter your promo code not so common again take care of.com visit that site enter promo code not so common at checkout get going and take care of yourself with care of robin hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks etfs Options and cryptos all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Simple and intuitive. A clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. When I went through the app, it was great. You're presented with the stocks, and you can just buy, sell at the touch of a button. There's some nice graphs to see how the stock's been doing the past few few months or a year. There's also uh, suggestions from, from analysts whether or not you should buy, hold, sell. It's really simple. It's really slick. It's easy. There are no cost or commission fees with Robinhood. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. You trade stocks and keep all of your profits. It's easy, easy to understand. It's easy to use. There's, there's charts that are easy to look at, market data. You place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can even view stocks by collections like 100 most popular, entertainment stocks, social media, even curated categories like female CEOs. You learn by doing. You learn how to invest as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, and trade favorite companies with personalized newsfeed. Right now, special offer. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Again, a free stock. You sign up at notsocommon.robinhood.com. That's notsocommon.robinhood.com. Get going with your trading today. This is a this is a kind of depressing story about China reversing their stance. This just came up yesterday, and, and conservation and wildlife protection is kind of important to me. If I've ever become like a rich philanthropist, I'll probably just go all in on on this stuff and helping out these animals because uh, humans don't treat the world that well. Climate change, killing off species of animals. Uh, I just saw something yesterday. Uh, over half the world's animals since the 70s have been killed off. They're dead. They're dead. Over half. Over half of the animal population. And that's even worse for like uh, sea creatures in certain areas where they've been decimated. So, um, according to the BBC, uh, China has eased their 25-year ban on rhino and tiger parts for their, in fucking huge quotes, finger quotes, the size of those fingers you used to get phone fingers going to the Jets game, Giants game, in those size finger quotes, medicinal use. The, the rhino horns and the fucking tiger balls and bones from tigers that they throw in their fucking soups to cure usually like erectile dysfunction, that shit, which is responsible for poaching of animals, they're easing their laws on that. They're, they're partially reversing their ban, which has been in place since 1993. And of course, uh, people are alarmed about this. Uh, wildlife preservationists and uh, like the World Wildlife Fund are like, what the fuck is going on here? So China said, said parts from captive animals would be authorized for scientific, medical, and cultural use. Captive animals... 
The reason why we have captive tigers and rhinos is because they're all decimated in the wild. So we brought them to zoos to try to save them. The northern whitehorn rhino, there's like, what, eight left, seven left in the world? One just died in, in, uh, in San Diego? Not at the zoo, at the, uh, what the hell, the other thing. There's the San Diego Zoo, and what's the other thing? There's the, there's the, uh, it's, it's North Mirror. Ow. It's the one where you can go see the tiger trail, and they have the big cats. Anyway. Um, so anyway, they had a, they had, they had one of these rhinos that died. There's only like six left. Northern Whitehorn Rhino, is that it? Northern White Rhino. Yeah. Northern White Rhino. Oh, the last male one died. That's great. That's fucking great. The San Diego Zoo Institute for Conservation Research. The world's last northern white rhino died earlier this year. What if... The last male. 45-year-old sedan, the Earth's entire northern white rhino population is now down to two. The daughters of this of this guy. There's two. Two left now. I'm sorry, six? There's two now. There was three, there's two. And the only two left are the daughters of this one. It's the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. That's right. Which I've visited. I should know the name and I give money to the zoo. So, okay, here's the deal. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of rhinos left in the wild or tigers. There's not a lot. We're talking, fal- we're not even talking like 50,000. We're talking, let's see. There's 4,000 tigers in the, in the wild at most. most and uh, 30,000 rhinos. That's it. 4,000 tigers only spread out across continents. Asia, Africa. That's it. And the rhinos have been decimated for forever, along with elephants. So the problem with this is that um, this is going to uh, encourage poaching of these, of these animals that are endangered. It's not going to decrease it. People are going to be like, oh, okay, now this is semi-illegal again. You want those tiger balls? You want those bones? You want that rhino horn? All right, well, you you know, I know someone can get you that. This is going to encourage black market trade again of these items at a larger scale. It's not going to decrease. And and this is at a time where (laughs) I know we're in a time of like anti-science, not believing shit. But the fact that we can encourage in any way through rescinding uh, these laws even partially to encourage these false medicines. I don't even care if they did work. It's not worth sacrificing endangered species, obviously. It's insane. But these are medicines that are bullshit. These are like old uh, you know, herbal medicines that are based on no science. It's junk. And so, yeah, we'll throw some uh, some balls of an animal that we think is strong into a soup or whatever, and because of that, it'll cure whatever you have. No. No, that's not how this shit works. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely, it's, it's according to the World Wildlife Fund, the real WWF, they said the move would have devastating consequences and it would be an enormous setback to efforts to protect animals in the wild. Of course it's a setback. Of course. Even if restricted to, to antiques and use in hospitals, this trade would increase confusion by consumers and law enforcers as to which products are and are not legal and would likely expand the markets for other tiger and rhino products. Of course. It won't decrease it. This is insane. I saw that article... Uh, the other month about it was an African nation where they they rescinded 
their laws allowing their park rangers to ca- carry weapons to to protect the wildlife, you know, in their national parks and in their parks. And then, of course, you know, a month later, they found like you know a dozen dead elephants from poachers in that area. It's like I don't know what the fuck you're thinking. This is serious shit. You know, we can't remake these animals when they're gone. <laughs> we can't we can't remake these animals that have been here for a million years. But this is it. Take this shit seriously. Like human greed. I understand people want to make money. Do it some other fucking way. This is like the super the super version of scumbag selves a week. You know, making you know making money off of illegal stuff. This is making money illegally and also killing off things. It's disgusting. It's enraging. It's enraging when this stuff happens. Hopefully, uh, the San Diego Zoo uh, saves the northern white rhino. You can donate money to the San Diego Zoo. If you just get a membership helps. That's why I don't mind giving money and paying out a membership. It helps. The San Diego Zoo brought back the California condor. It was, it was, it, there was like three left, five left of the California condor. It was gone. They brought it back. They do good work. California condor. Yeah, it was nearly extinct in 1987. Now it's back in the wild. Um, donate money, whatever you can, to these conservation. The WWF World Wildlife Fund is a, is a great great one to donate to. Hell, maybe the next marathon we'll, we'll do it for WF. This stuff really annoys me if you can't tell. By the way, speaking of being annoyed, uh, the election is next is on Tuesday on the 6th. Go out and vote. It's It might be too late to register, but it's very important to vote. Learn the issues, not just nationally. Not oh, This isn't a national election this time out, but governors, governorships, your, your, all your state representatives are up, or your local one is, at least if you vote on. Uh, Congress, one of your two Congress should be up, depending. And there's all, at least for California, there's always initiatives on the ballot. So look at the initiatives locally. That stuff really affects you. Um, I know you'll go, I don't want to vote. Who cares? This shit's bad. It can only get better if you vote and vote in people you think will do a better job than who's currently there or who, who agree with you, um, theoretically at least, to pass laws that will benefit society in the long run. Or even you, if you want to be selfish. But you should vote. I know that's cliche, but you should vote. The the, the participation of the voting in this country is abysmal. We take it for granted. It's, this is all cliche. Go out and vote. If you're registered, find out where your polling station is. Google it. It's really easy to find out where. It's usually within, at least if you're in a city, you know you won't be driving more than five, ten minutes. Usually. Usually, ten minutes. Suburbs, there's one five, less than five minutes from me. I can walk to mine almost. So, go vote. And things might get better in the future. Things might be looking pretty bad right now. And not just talking about bad Halloween laws, but, um, you know, trying to undo constitutional amendments through executive order. You know, shit like that. That's trying to happen. You know, you can't really do that. But um, go vote. Go vote. Get it, And vote for whoever. Whoever you think is going to do a good job. Younger the better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, get out some of the old fogies that have been there for too long. Vote in some from fresh blood. Let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's do this a little better going forward. And let's protect these fucking creatures that entrust us not to fucking kill them all. To make, the, you know, to make the, to make soups and to make freaking weird medicines out of. They don't do shit. Can we, do, can we start there at least? Holy God, I'm, I'm annoyed. Alright, well enjoy your Halloween. This has been a fun, not so common podcast. Please subscribe to me on YouTube or your podcast platform of choice. Podbean, Google Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Google Play. I said Google Stitcher, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you listen to this, you can like the podcast. Leave a comment, talk about the podcast, tell your friends. 
Um, I have a book you can pre-order, Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the SNES Library. You can also order the original at ultimatenes.com. There'll be a Kickstarter soon there. And I appreciate you guys supporting me and supporting my partners, my ad partners. Finally, if you want to support me on the Not So Common Podcast, you could uh, look at my Patreon, give it a give it a look. It's patreon.com slash patcountry. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy your Halloween. Don't eat too much, but if you do, I won't tell anyone. We'll see you next time.